Have you written an intro? I have. Oh, <gasps> wow. That's what happens when we record at night. You're actually more prepared. I know, right? I have all day to get prepared instead of scrambling in the morning. Right? Or I have all day to procrastinate and still end up scrambling in the afternoon. That's fair. And Mark? Is that a good Mark? <laughs> I was doing so good about not like, I was like, and is he going to go? <laughs> Beautiful, Mark. <clears throat> Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. Thank you. Help. And Mark? Perfect. Didn't need it. Um, you don't even know the purpose of Mark's, do you? I. It's to sync the audio with the video. Yeah. But also, you can use it for editing. So you could do like a snap so that I see a peak right before you start to talk. Right. And then I can just cut right there and not have to listen to all this bullshit. Yeah, but it doesn't help when I clap in the middle of our podcast and you're like, why is this peak? That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. That's, that's very true. Yes. I'm gonna clap in the middle of the intro <laughs> over myself. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm enough. Move, enough. Move. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Back to the Pilot. I'm Chase. And I'm Chloe. And today we're here to chat about some truly classic short form animations with The Bugs Bunny Show and Animaniacs. So sit back and relax as we take you back to the pilot. What if just I started saying I'm Smoochie instead of I'm Chloe? I mean, a lot of people would... Would probably know then know who, that, who this is. Who, who you are. <laughs> because, honestly, there's probably more people who are from your stream that get confused. They're like, I thought this was Smoochie's podcast. And yeah, don't know that your is name Chloe? is Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably an accurate statement. Anyway, uh, Chase, um, what do you know about the Bugs Bunny show? Um, you know, it's got Bugs Bunny in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of it. Like, like I mean, like I know it's the Looney Tunes, but I don't know like what came first. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I'm curious to find out. That's gonna be difficult because I did no research on the Looney Tunes. But okay, no. Well, like I mean, just in general, like, like there's the in Bugs general show, the Looney Tunes like... technically came first. Gotcha. Cool. See, well, tech. All right. Well, we can maybe check that off. ish, ish. Ish. ish ish well you just you you do your thing and i'll sit back no and no about that. no looting tunes did come first actually because okay. i don't think did i not write this part down i'm gonna be so fucking sad <laughs> okay I, i'm upset because the one thing i didn't write when i did my research is i didn't actually write the beginning part of this but i'll find it i'll find it anyway i will get into it now we will just get into it and we'll go we'll go from there yeah. um oh <laughs> wait <laughs> I just what? looked at the my, I looked at my synopses in there for Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh no! That's, Hold on. That's funny. <laughs> fucking profesh. So professional. We're professionals. So Bugs Bunny is it about an American football coach that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the title of the pilot episode is "Rabbit Every Monday: A Mouse Divided and Tree for Two." Um, the pilot released on October 11th, 1960 on ABC, where you can watch it now. The only place I could find it was Boomerang with a subscription. I'm not entirely sure if you can even purchase entire episodes, but yeah. The creators are, it's, it's confusing. And I'm, I'm, I wrote down Warner Brothers for this particular show, but you'll understand. I'll get a little bit more into it. Um, the series synopsis is TV series featuring the classic Looney Tunes animated shorts. And then the synopsis of the pilot episode is Bugs introduces, uh, sorry, Bugs introduces many of his co-hosts individually. Pepe Le Pew, Yosem Yosemite, oh my God, Yosemite Sam. This doesn't make sense. This isn't the beginning. This isn't the pilot of that. I don't know why this is the thing for the pilot. What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm re. I literally I copied and pasted the fucking pilot episode synopsis from IMDb. IMDb, and that's what it says, and that doesn't make sense. So I'm gonna make up my own real quick. Uh, the first one, Rabbit Every Monday, Bugs has a run in with Yosemite Sam, a mouse divided, uh, Sylvester and Tweety meet. Uh, I don't know. Is it Tweety? No, it's not Tweety. It's someone else. It's a little mouse. Tweety Sylvester Bird. No, it's a little mouse. Okay. Did you not watch it? 
You only watched Drive It Every Monday, didn't you? No, I watched the one on uh, Amazon Prime. (laughs) Oh, there's one on Amazon Prime? The one on Prime Video. That's the one I Yeah, I asked you about the Boomerang thing. Yeah, it said you can watch it with a subscription to Boomerang. And so I added my subscription to Boomerang for free. And then it showed me a totally different thing. So I'm excited to learn about something that I haven't even watched. (laughs) I wonder if you clicked on... I looked up Bugs Bunny show and clicked on Amazon Prime. That's not the same episode. Yeah, I... I, I It's literally not. And this also says October 10th, 1960, which is a day prior to when the actual pilot released. <laughs> I don't, is, I didn't do any of this research, hilarious. so I don't know. I that's don't know why. Actually. I don't know what the fuck this is. What, what is this? And this says this short released on July 8th, 1950. So wh- what, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I have no idea what this is. That is not the Bugs Bunny show pilot. The Bugs Bunny show pilot is three different shorts. One is rabbit every Monday where bugs, bugs has hit, uh, like a run in with Yosemite Sam. Then a mouse divided is uh Sylvester is they find like Sylvester and his little lady find a mouse in their home and they like basically adopt the mouse and Sylvester has to go against all of his instincts to not eat the mouse. And then tree for two is two dogs that I can't even remember their names now, honestly, that fight Sylvester. So interesting. I don't know what the fuck this other pilot is. And now I'm just confused and upset and wish I had this more time my, to do more research. This is my fault. Though. This is my fault for you. <laughs> it's really not though, because why is that listed as the the pilot for that? And why is it the wrong date of release? Of, of to be fair, I'm going through all of the episodes right now, and I'm looking at their release dates, and they're just all uh, like random. Oh, this says Bugs Bunny season one. That's not the Bugs Bunny That's show. What I, know. I know. I just noticed that. The Bugs so. Bunny show isn't on here. It's a different. That's a different thing. Huh. Okay, that makes more sense. So, like I said, the creators are kind of confusing. So, Bugs Bunny actually started as a Sunday Pages comic, first drawn by Chase Craig. But according to Craig, he stated that Bugs Bunny was not a creation of any one man. However, he rather represented the creative talents of perhaps five or six directors and many cartoon writers, including Charlie Thorson. In those days, the stories were often the work of a group who suggested various gra- various gags bounce them around and finalize them in a joint story conference. So that's why there's not really like a sole creator of Bugs Bunny. And when like the Bugs Bunny show doesn't even have an actual creator listed as the creator, um, how the show started and whatnot kind of has like a, like a creator. But again, it's that same concept that Craig is saying where it's multiple people that actually have created the show and created bugs. Um, that being said, there is one person that has voiced Bugs Bunny for years. Well, not anymore because he's no longer alive, but voiced Bugs Bunny for years, and that is Mel Blank. So I'm going to cover his history because he's kind of the biggest through line with Bugs Bunny in regards to like his t- his first appearances on screen and like that kind of thing. So I chose to cover Mel Blank as like this person that is the through line for bugs in my opinion someone who maybe knows more about this will probably hate that i did this and someone who likes Mel blank will not hate that i did this so that's just gonna be life and we already know that this episode's kind of fucked because it's confusing anyway mel blank was born on may 30th 1908 in san francisco california as melvin jerome blank with a k um, his name is spelt now as uh, Mel Blank with a C. He actually changed his last name at the age of 16 after a teacher told him that he would amount to nothing. It would be just like his name, Blank, which is fucked up. That's, to say that's to harsh. That's harsh for a 16 year old. That's so harsh. <laughs> yeah. So he changed his name from Blank with a K to Blank with a C. He had a uh, he had an early fondness of voices and dialects that he began practicing at the early age of 10 His family eventually moved to Portland, Oregon, where he attended Lincoln High School. 
He graduated high school in 1927, after which he divided his time leading an orchestra, becoming the youngest conductor, at, uh, the youngest conductor in the country at the age of 19, and performing shticks, uh, which is a Yiddish term for gimmicks or themed comedy bits, in vaudeville shows around Washington, Oregon, and uh, around Washington, Oregon, and Northern California. So I'm going to split up his work a little bit. He did radio work and animation work. Um, a little bit about his radio work. At the age of 19, Blank began his radio career when he made his acting debut on the KGW program, The Hoot Owls. He moved to Los Angeles in 1932, where he met Estelle Rosenbaum, who he la- he married a year later. He went back to Portland and hosted a show called Cobweb and Nuts that ran for two years. With encouragement from his wife, however, he returned to Los Angeles and joined Warner Brothers in 1935. He was a uh, a regular on the NBC Red Network show that Jack uh sorry he was a regular on the NBC Red Network show the Jack Benny program where he played various roles such as violin teacher Professor LeBlanc, Polly the parent, Benny's pet polar bear Carmichael and the train announcer. In 1940 uh, 1942 the Radio Daily magazine wrote that Blank specialized in over 57 voices, dialects and intricate uh, sound effects. And by 1946, he was appearing in over 50 programs in various supporting roles, which is fucking crazy. Um, And then in 1946, he had his own show called The Mel Blank Show, which ended in 1947. Part of me is like paranoid that I'm saying his name wrong now. I want to double check. I actually just looked it up and I've always pronounced it Mel Blanc. But I think it is Mel Blank, is it not? But that's just because of the way it looks, you know, like almost French. But if yeah. he changed it from B-L-A-N-K to B-L-A-N-C, maybe he didn't want to change the pronunciation. Johnny Carson said Mel Blank. I'm saying it right. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of the end of his radio work. Now just a little bit on his animation work. In December of 1936, Blank joined Leon Schleichinger. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, let me read that was, this. <laughs> that was <In> impressive. <laughs> Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Like Eliza Schlesinger? I I would say Schlesinger. Schlesinger? Like Eliza Schlesinger. Okay. Eliza Schlesinger. Leon Schlesinger. Okay. In December of 1936, Blanc joined Leon Schlesinger Productions, which was producing theatrical cartoon shorts for Warner Brothers. Um, The first cartoon Blanc worked on was called uh, Picardo Porky, which was in 1937, where he voiced a drunken bull. He soon received his first starring role replacing Joe uh, Doherty as Porky the Pig's voice in Porky's Duck Hunt that marked the debut of Daffy Duck, which Blank also voiced. Um, This is kind of where I'm just going to go straight into Bugs Bunny and all that stuff now. Um, still kind of covering a little bit. I thought of you were going to say, this is kind of where I just didn't look Stopped. anything else up. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is where I'm transferring to like Bugs Bunny stuff. Cause like, in okay, so I'm just gonna do it now. Anyway, the development of like this show and him as like a uh, not just a comic strip, but as an actual animated character. So a version of Bugs actually appeared in the 1938 film Porky's Hare Hunt, which was supposedly ex- almost exactly the same storyline as Porky's Duck Hunt, just with a rabbit instead of a duck. Though the physical drawing was more of a prototype, some of the personality aspects of Bugs in this short were there. But, like, if you see the actual short, it's really very much not really bugs. Like, it is, but it's not. It's a very early version of bugs. Um, Does he look was, like a more of a bug? <laughs> no, he just looks more like a normal <laughs> bunny instead of, like, a human with bunny features. <laughs> gotcha. Um, it was co-directed by Ben Bugs Hardaway and Cal Dalton. Dalton, sorry. I'm sorry. Cal Dalton. Yes. The guy's name's... Bugs? Ben Bugs Hardaway. Yes. Um, He's for no some Gary, reason, but... I can't. I remember looking. I remember when I, while I was reading this stuff, and I don't actually know why I didn't write it down, but there was someone um, that was working on all this that kind of also dubbed Bugs like this character um, because Ben Bugs Hardaway directed it. And I can't remember the exact saying of like why they decided, like if that was the actual reason they decided to name him bugs. Cause what I also couldn't find was if his name was originally bugs bunny in the Sunday paper com or Sunday pages comic strip or not. I don't know if it was, um, 
or if it was just kind of a silly bunny that was in a paper. I actually genuinely don't know. Um, I'm sure I could find it if I did a little bit more deep diving, but I'm a dumpster fire of a human, and I feel like Chase is typing away right now to find this I'm out. Just, so I'm just checking. <laughs> I feel like I did a, a shit job of my research on this one, if I'm being completely honest. So I am sorry about that. Um, I mean, I see a thing here that's straight out of a newspaper that says Bugs Bunny at the top. Okay, cool. Then, then that's then it was he was already Bugs. Somewhere, like, that was the other thing is, like, on a lot of the research I found, there was some conflicting stuff, and I was just kind of going with, which is probably why I didn't write down that thing that, the problem is, like, I remembered it, and then I wanted to mention it, and I was like, oh, that's why I didn't write it down. Anywho, okay, so a version of Bugs appears in a 1938 film called Porky's Hair Hunt, um, of which Mel Blanc is still doing voices, he's doing Porky's voice in that and I believe he did a voice, like a version of Bugs's voice in that as well. But it wasn't until 1940 that the completed version of Bugs appeared in a uh, in a film called A Wild Hair, of which Blank was still voicing over. Um, You're doing the voiceover for Bugs. Bugs appeared in several cartoon shorts until 1963 when Warner Brothers actually discontinued the productions of their shorts. But then the original Bugs Bunny show premiered on October 11th, 1960 on ABC under the sponsorship of General Foods, where it was directed by Chuck Jones and Frizz Freling. So, I mean, kind of obvious why it's hard to picture, like, actually have a real creator because you have, like, the Ben Bugs Hardaway and Cal Dalton, char like, characters, <laughs> people that were, like, directors in like a portion of Bugs's his like film history, but then you have totally different directors and producers that are there for the actual show. Um, but again, no one is actually listed as the physical creators. Um, a cool fact is that they created the show in color, but it aired in black and white, which is why you can watch it in color now, because obviously they created the original version in color. Um, that is cool. Yeah. I mean, it was airing in 1960, right? So televisions didn't have color in general then. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the like extent of my my information and my knowledge on all of this. Um, this something I saw said that it ran for uh, 52 episodes, but I think I saw something that said 70 something episodes. Either way, it like there have been varying renditions of Bugs since then, and he's still part of the Looney Tunes. And in general, this Bugs Bunny show included all characters from the Looney Tunes. I mean, the only part in this pilot episode that even has Bugs in it is the very first short that they show. So, yeah. But that is... So it's like, it's not even like really his show, you know? Well, that's the thing that I find interesting and something I feel like I was kind of noticing um, with just the theme of content back then, like this in general, especially stuff that like Mel Blanc worked on, is like you had a host of stuff, but then all that meant was that they just hosted a bunch of other people to be on their show. So it's kind of interesting because the Bugs Bunny show had like, you know, episodes always had bugs in them, but not every skit had bugs in them. Right. So Naturally. I just find that interesting. But that is, yeah, that's the, that's the, the, you know, that's the little bit of knowledge that I have on it. And that's all I got. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting. It, <laughs> it is, was hard it because I didn't want to do a crazy amount of research when like really up to this point, it, it's like just Mel's history with him. And then that. So. Right. And it's like, like you said, there's, it's really hard to pinpoint one singular creator for the show because the character had sort of already been pre-established by somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you've got so many different hands sort of like, like touching the creation that it doesn't just come back to Mel. It comes back to a few different people like between yeah. animators and producers and directors so and whatnot. Yeah, something I, <clears throat> sorry, something I wish I would have actually done a little bit more research on is the kind of in between when bug when the like bugs first appeared in some films from like 1940 to when he actually got his own show um the like bits that i found is that he appeared in several cartoons until 1963 but like 
I, I feel like I could have done a little bit more research on the the 20 year period from when he first appears to when he actually gets his own show. I, I kind of slacked on that. Slacker. Slacker. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it's very interesting just from like, I've always been a fan of like the Looney Tunes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I grew up with the Looney Tunes, but like they've had reboots and remakes here and there. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's like, a I mean, ton I feel of like you just know all of the characters movies, though, too. Like, well, yeah, and then you like have like iconic movies from our space like generation, like Space Jam, and the ever underrated Space Jam Two. Just kidding, I never actually watched it. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen it, and I never saw the one that they remade either. Um, yeah, so, uh, like, despite you know, obviously this show coming out, and like the show being sort of a Looney Tunes, sort of its own thing. It is it is fun to like sort of see where it all came from, mm-hmm. and and the fact like how impactful it is still to this day. Yeah, and I mean stuff still comes out to this day. The crazy thing for me is just like how much Mel Blanc actually did, and uh, there was something, and I couldn't actually um, corroborate this information. My dad was talking about how apparently Mel Blanc was the sole voice actor for Warner Brothers for like a five year period or something. So he did like so many fucking voices for them. I don't know how true that actually is. And again, I couldn't find anything to corroborate it. And I don't know where he saw it. But either way, if that is true, that's fucking crazy. But it's all it is also back around the time when you still had the studio system and everything. Right. Actors worked for studios, not for varying just separate projects. Right. They weren't like freelance contracted workers. Yeah. They were employees employees yeah 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 i mean i i would do superlatives on the episode if i watched it um i mean i had a hard time doing superlatives in general bugs was my favorite character i didn't really care that much about the other two (laughs) for me i didn't really care very much about the other two like shorts that were in this singular episode like the the sylvester and the mouse one was kind of cute and then the two dog one was kind of just whatever to me um but there's like a moment in the uh bugs short where he or uh you know somebody sam is like hunting him and he he like aims his shotgun at bugs and Bugs just like quickly pulls out like some hubba bubba, chews it, and then puts it on the barrel. So when he shoots, when like Yosemite Sam shoots it, he like somehow transfers into the bubble and Bugs just like blows him away. And it's just like this, it's such a stupid comedy thing, but it's just like one of those things where it's like that is still funny to me. Like that humor is still so fucking funny to me because it's so dumb, but it's yeah, that kind just of stuff silly. will never not be funny to me. Yeah. But and I didn't have like an actual least favorite part, though I didn't like overly enjoy the other skits. Like I didn't have a least favorite part. Yeah, well, I I watched uh, the episode called Eight Ball Bunny. Yeah, which involves this little uh, penguin showing up uh, on like in Bugs Bunny's uh, hidey hole, his house mm-hmm. hole, and uh, he's like, "All right, I'll take you home. Don't cry." Uh, and then they like, like they just hop on a train and go to the South Pole. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but like, there's this part where he gets he puts him on a he puts him on a boat and he's like, "All right, here's everything you need. You got, you got, you know, uh, your pack, and then here's some ice cubes to snack on." <laughs> just like the idea that old penguins eat ice cubes to snack on is hilarious. Uh, and then he <laughs> yeah, finds out that the penguins from Brooklyn and they have to go all the way back. <laughs> like that's, that's such yeah, that's stupid fucking humor but it's yeah. so funny um, well and there's this guy and i don't know who he is but he's like just this american guy he's like hey buddy will you help a fellow american out by sparing a quarter and <laughs> uh or sparing some change or whatever and bugs just constantly fetching him a quarter and he just shows up in every scene so it's like they're on the they're on the railroad and then they're like in like <clears throat> the middle of the panama jungle and then they're like on an island and he's just there every time. And then he's there at the <laughs> South Pole and he's just always there. The That's funniest funny. part about that to me was that when they try to go through the Panama Canal, uh, 
the Panama Canal people are like 25 cent toll to get through the canal. <laughs> and he's like, 25 cents to get through this joint. Nah, I ain't paying that. But then he's constantly giving this one random dude a quarter. A quarter, yeah. So funny. That's pretty funny. So I really enjoyed my episode. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd enjoy the the actual pilot. Probably would. Mm-hmm. It's too I bad mean, I didn't watch it. Yeah, that's too bad. We should probably, like, you know... Really be like better convene about convening on things like this yeah. more often. <laughs> I, I would agree with because this statement. isn't the first time this has happened. <laughs> it sure isn't, and yet we still haven't learned from our mistakes. If people here expect us to learn from our mistakes, they're they've come to the wrong podcast. That's true. They know us by now. It's season four. What do they expect from us? <laughs> season four. Sometimes we're just shit. I feel like Chase is going to bring it home though with the. With the, uh, I actually have a lot of cool information. About let's go. So I'm super. Pumped. I'm pumped about that. Awesome. I mean, noodle stars for this show. I think the fact that the comedy holds up today and this is from 1960. I, I got to go with like at least six. I gave it six as well. I think for me, it's hard because like the other episodes I didn't care as much for because I was honestly just expecting like Bugs Bunny the whole time. Right. So like the other shorts, I mean, within the episode, but like. The humor's still funny in all of it, so I gotta, I gotta give it a nice little little sexy piece. And yeah, uh, I mean, that's I, all I have I, to say. I, I mentioned that I always, <laughs> I know. I I'd also give it a six out of seven. It's very good. All right. I've still got that cold, and I'm not sure where when it's gonna go away. But I oh, talked I to my doctor, and they were like, the "Try these we're... antibiotics, and if they don't work, we might have to give you like an allergy shot because maybe you know maybe it's allergies." But like a dog we'll from there. Yeah, something like that, I guess. Louis got one. I, me and Louie can be allergy shot brothers. Anyways, uh, so I did do the Animaniacs. And I think there was mm-hmm. less concern about the uh, the show because I think it's it's definitely a show, so it's less... Uh, <laughs> I mean, Bugs Bunny was a show, and so was the Bugs Bunny show. Right. Yes. Exactly. I'm, did you... Actually, out of curiosity, when you, like, first searched it, when you searched it on IMDb, did you just search Bugs Bunny? I searched... I searched on Google the Bugs Bunny show. Um, and then on the right of, like, the Google page where it says watch options, Prime mm-hmm. Video was there. And so I clicked on that. You know what's more fucked with that entire thing? It's just the sheer fact that even if you type in Bugs Bunny into, like, IMDb, which is... This is why I honestly always do it in IMDb and not just into Google, is that, like, that... Con- Bugs Bunny sh- like that doesn't show up as its own show that's like a hundred percent just some weird ass like combination thing of right it's just Bugs multiple, Bunny stuff like a compilation of Bugs Bunny yeah I mean on Boomerang you can't search like the pilot episode you have to search the individual skits but if you go on to IMDb, IMDb you, can, you, you see, can see the actual things yeah yeah well I didn't have that problem with Animaniacs so this yeah, should go well, a little bit smoother. <laughs> I didn't have that problem either because I looked it up on fucking IMDb. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, before we get anyways. mad at Chase, uh, I mean you can't. I can't be mad at you. Your research is going to be far and above. What mine. do you know about the Animaniacs? Um, I know that it's Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Yeah. Um. I know that I like definitely watched a lot as a kid and that uh, the uh, the Christmas like episode was something we watch every year for Christmas. Nice. And that's it. Well, that's good. I mean, I mean, I didn't really watch the show. It came out a little bit before my time, Um, but I did. I have seen it here and there like watched sketches on like like short snippets on like youtube and whatnot mm-hmm. uh and i i, I like, did you know, know the whole that like was... song thing right so yeah like the Isn't animaniacs that, intro the... oh no i was thinking the the one where he does the fuck what the is countries? it the states no the countries yeah, yeah, yeah the countries oh all the countries that's a long one i don't know all that one but that's a good no one. but you do know the song like i know of it yeah. yeah yeah uh but yeah and i knew it was like a sort of like cartoon sketch show uh, and I did know that it had like was recently rebooted on Hulu. Yeah, I did see um, that as well. But other than that, I didn't know much. So I was pretty excited to look this up because I've always sort of enjoyed 
the Animaniacs just animation style and the characters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so without uh, any more stalling. Um, <clears throat> Usually uh, people say, say like without further ado. Yeah, I didn't want to say without further ado, so I wanted to say without any more stalling. Okay. Because... <laughs> <laughs> All right, my bad. I'm stalling. Go I'm ahead. Ste- I'm separating myself, setting myself apart. Uh, so the title of uh, the first pilot episode uh, not the first pilot episode. There's just the one episode. Uh, the title of the episode is, uh, it's three different titles similar to the Bugs Bunny show, uh, where it's three sort of skits uh, called Desanitized, The Monkey Song, and Night Night Tune. Uh, and it originally aired on September 13th, 1993 on Fox, uh, which I believe at the time was like, it, it aired on Fox, but like during a time frame, like, like a time slot that I believe was called Fox Kids. Because uh, it it like sort of had Fox and then in parentheses Fox Kids, so I think that's what it means. Hmm, okay. Um, and the only way you can watch it, uh, I've been able to see, and I think you also saw this. Yeah, I can uh, it's, find it's available for purchase, so you can buy it on like uh, YouTube, Google Play Store, Amazon Prime, and whatnot. Uh, and it is available for like individual episode purchase. Uh, as well as, I believe, full seasons. Uh, But the synopsis for the show is the zany adventures of a trio of 1930s animated characters in the modern world. Uh, And for the episodes, uh, Dr. Scratch and Sniff attempts to de-zanitize the Warners. Uh, The next one is Dr. Scratch and Sniff sings the monkey song with the Animaniacs. And then the last one is the Warners and others give their version of a children's bedtime storybook. And it was created by one guy named Tom Ruger. Uh, I thought so you were going to say Riddle. Tom Riddle. That was close. Tom Marvolo. That was so close. Riddle. Uh, maybe his middle name is Marvolo. I didn't write that down, but <laughs> who knows? He was born, however, in April on April 4th, 1954 in Metuchen, New Jersey. What's really weird is that the his Wikipedia page said they didn't have a specific date and said he was born like sometime in 1955 or 1956. Uh, and there were like some time, like there were like some places that it seemed to refer to literally says when he was his... born on IMDb. I know, right? That's where I found it. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird. And like I looked it up and like if you look it up, like you know how if you look something up on Google, it just gives you the like results. So I typed in like how old is Tom Ruger? And it comes up with 67 because it's it for some reason it thinks he's born on April 4th, 1956. But everywhere hmm. else I've looked showed April 4th, 1954. So I'm pretty sure that one's right. What a weird discrepancy. But it is. it was kind of weird. Uh, but Ruger always sort of had a love of like uh, animation and uh, general cartoons. At a, at a very young age, he was always very interested in like watching the Flintstones. So he would watch, he would like made drawings of the show while he was watching it when it aired. Uh, and then, um, sorry, I was going to say and then, but... There wasn't really an and then. It was just the next part of his life that I saw was that he graduated from Matuchin High School in 1972. Um, So that didn't make any sense. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if this episode from my segment is chalked anyway, so you can fuck (laughs) up as much as you want and we're good. Well, I don't think it'll be as chalked. uh, But yeah, it's already a little chalked. Uh, yours so is, yours he, is always easier to edit. You're <laughs> you're good at not fucking up as much as I fuck up. So <laughs> well, so he graduated from Matuchin High School in '72, and then he went on to attend Dartmouth College. Uh, uh, he attended Dartmouth College for four years, and actually, as a senior, he made his first cartoon, which was called "The Premiere of Platypus a Duck." Uh, and then, after graduating from Dartmouth in 1976, he moved to Los Angeles, where he wanted to become an animator. Uh, he actually began his career at a company called Filmation, where he was writing for Gilligan's Planet, uh, and then soon after that joined uh, Hanna-Barbera, where he was writing and producing various animated series. Uh, I wrote down a few, uh, but there were a lot. Uh, he, he did uh, the new Scooby-Doo Mysteries, Snorks, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Pound Puppies, and a pup named Scooby-Doo, probably the most notably. So he did a lot of work with Scooby-Doo. Uh, and then he also wrote a single episode of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which that was like listed as its own separate thing. When I don't know, I don't really know why, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Uh, maybe that's because that was a little bit more long form animation than like the other ones, which were more short form. Uh, but he did write a single episode of He-Man. 
Uh, and then in 1989, he began working alongside uh, Gene McCurdy and Steven Spielberg at Warner Brothers Animation to create and produce several animated series, which included Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania, Batman the Animated Series, The Plucky Duck Show, Freakazoid, Road Rovers, Hysteria, and then, of course, Animaniacs. Not all of those are in that order. I, those That was just the way I wanted nope, to list them. they're in that order. Because uh, Freakazoid very much came out after Animaniacs. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but so... Generally, there wasn't a lot about like his life leading up to that, but he did. He was always interested in animation. He, I don't, I didn't even see what exactly he studied at Dartmouth, but as soon as he graduated, he went on to go work in animation in in Los Angeles slash Hollywood. He got jobs at really big and really strong like anim, animating companies and animation animation studios. And so, when he was while he was working at Warner Brothers. He'd sort of already had an, he sort of already had an in at Warner Brothers. Um, so just taking a quick step back, so I know I mentioned that he did begin working alongside Gene McCurdy and Steven Spielberg in 1989. It was leading up to the creation of Animaniacs. Uh, Warner Brothers was really trying to get Steven Spielberg to do an animated film for this for them. Uh, obviously, Steven Spielberg was huge in the mid to late 80s and then throughout the 90s, uh, just as a producer director uh and and sort of to help uh court spielberg into uh creating that animated film gene mccurdy who was the head of animation at warner brothers brought tom ruger in uh to help develop that concept with him uh and that uh the reason she brought ruger in was because of his success leading the animation uh a pup named scooby-doo so it was his work at hanna-barbera that really uh, drew her attention to, to him. Um, and, and so he actually pitched, so he, he had done the, uh, the, like the new Scooby-Doo mysteries and a pup named Scooby-Doo. And I believe, uh, maybe not the new Scooby-Doo mysteries, but at least a, a pup named Scooby-Doo was sort of obviously about Scooby-Doo as a puppy. What? And so one of the first things he did, uh, when he was called in was, he's like, he's like, how about we use younger versions of the Looney Tunes characters? <laughs> Uh, that was his Bro, pitch actually, to Spielberg. Actually, that was something I used to watch the ba- Tiny Tunes. Yeah, right? Tiny Tune Adventures. So that's what I it became, Tiny right? Toons. So, so yeah. as part of this process, trying to like between like trying to get him, trying to get Spielberg to do an animated movie or at least do some sort of animation, uh, like produce some sort of animation, Ruger pitched the idea of younger Looney Tunes. Uh, I assume based on his experience and success with a pup named Scooby Doo. Uh, mm-hmm. That what that's what led to the creation of Tiny Toon Adventures, and it was a huge success. Uh, I don't know how many seasons it had, but like it, it got great reviews and and really good ratings. So, because of how successful Tiny Toon Adventures was, Spielberg and McCurdy pushed Ruger for another big idea because they sort of wanted to like keep the like momentum rolling with their animation studio, you know. So Ruger recalled his college creation, the premiere of Platypus Duck, which featured a trio of platypuses. Uh, and he just sort of was like, hey, maybe we can do something like this for like a new show. And he he did this sort of walk around the studio and, and he really felt that the show could somehow be connected to Warner Brothers' iconic WB Water Tower. And that's where he just sort of came up with this idea for creating the Warner Brothers as a trio. Uh, and, and like the idea of it being two brothers and, and a sister is that, so the two Warner brothers are the Warner brothers. And then dot is a reference to the dot in the Warner bros abbreviation. So it's like Warner bros and then B R O S dot. Right. So it's the abbreviation for brothers. Uh, so yeah, so it, it is kind of funny that that's, that's where dot comes from. Uh, don't know where he came up with Yakko and Wacko, but that's why she's named dot. That's cool. So he he sort of revived his character designs from his college days. They were originally platypuses. And actually, if you look it up, there's a picture of the original uh, Warner Brothers as like ducks slash platypuses, whatever. Like they're kind of like a mix, right? It's meant to be a little bit arbitrary uh, before they were converted into their like uh, now what they are is like more like dog-like. They're, I mean, they're obviously anthropomorphized, so they're not animals, but mm-hmm. like their uh, their features are more dog like and like before they were very obviously more duck like uh but he uh uh he sort of yeah he revived those character designs from his from his college days and um 
in addition to pulling his characters from the like like his characters and their personalities from uh, his previous work, he also drew a lot of the characterization from his three sons, who were, were at the time uh, pretty young and and could be like troublemakers. So uh, his three sons were a big inspiration for the personalities and behaviors of the Warner brothers and sister, or the Warner nice. siblings. That is. Uh, so that's sort of where the general idea of the Animaniacs comes from. But I, I did find a lot of interesting stuff about like how they were actually like where the actual creation of the show came in. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I, I just want to move forward with that because like I know a lot of times I'll stop it just like, well, there's the idea and that's where it came from. But this there, there was a lot of like just not a lot, but a little a, a few cool things. So like uh they brought in a lot of writers and animators from like Ruger's previous work, like including his work with Hanna-Barbera and like Tiny Toons Adventures to help write the show. Uh, And like that diverse cast of writers and animators led to this, like why it's such a diverse and varied cast of characters in the show, because uh, they did want to introduce so many characters so that they could make it akin to Looney Tunes. Like Spielberg was very adamant about like the irreverence of Looney Tunes cartoons where it was just, it wasn't just one episode. It was like a few sketches and like you jump back and forth between a lot of different characters. Interesting. Uh, And so really, they really wanted to capture more of that like sketch comedy variety show style rather than uh, just one straightforward show. Uh, And so similar to how Ruger based his, uh, based the Warner siblings like personalities on his sons, the other writers and animators also likened like their creations to close family and friends. Um, so uh, just, I, I wrote down a couple examples, which I think were fun. Um, so there was like a lot of the characters were created by different people. Uh, Pinky and the Brain were also created by Ruger. They were created to Pinky resemble a uh, duo of two of his Tiny Toons Adventures colleagues called Eddie Fitzgerald and Tom Mitten because they worked in the same office and he like, he like had this idea one time where he was like, what if, uh, what if Fitzgerald and Minton tried to take over the world? Uh, and somebody like animated them. And then he drew like mouse ears and noses on both of them. And it was like, that's it. That's my new characters. Just <laughs> <is> hilarious. <laughs> Uh, the good feathers, funny, the good feathers, which are the three pigeons, oh, were created bro. by Deanna Oliver. I love the good feathers. Um, Those Katie, are like, I just remember them from my youth. <laughs> they're so, so good. much. Uh, Katie Kaboom was created by Nicholas Hollander and based based on his own teenage daughter. Slappy the squirrel was created by Sherry Stoner when her friend uh, John McCann made fun of uh, Stoner's career in TV and movies because she was always playing troubled teenagers and implying that she would play them well into her fifties. Uh, so slappy is sort of meant to emulate like an old person trying to act like a teenager, but while also having like a lot of those old people characteristics. And then uh, there's a bunch of characters that were created by Spielberg himself, uh, the hip hippos, Rita and runt Minerva mink, and then buttons and Mindy uh, and buttons and Mindy are sort of based on Spielberg's own daughter and like his, his uh, dog and their yeah. interactions. So yeah, so it's like like they brought in all of these different animators and then those animators added their own sort of flavors to each of these characters which I which I thought was very cool. That is pretty neat. Yeah, and that's yeah, and then I I'm glad I'm glad I went second because it is very much like the show's style and like cast and all of the like the sort of pacing of it all is entirely based on Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's 100% inspired, but well, not maybe not 100%, but it is like, like every like a lot, whole chunk of it is inspired by like the Looney Tunes and, and where that came from and how it's all, there's a lot of these like short form animations. Yeah. Uh, the Animaniacs had an extremely successful run uh, as, as things go. Uh, it, like throughout its run, it became the second most popular children's show for uh, children age two, ages two to eleven, right behind the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, uh, in in November of 1993, so right after it aired, uh, in in addition to Tiny Toons Adventures, it doubled the ratings of its rivals, Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop, uh, in that sort of same two to eleven audience. Uh, and then later in its lifetime, it moved from Fox Kids to uh, Kids WB. Uh, and uh, over there, it gathered approximately one million child viewers every week. 
And then on top of all of the success among children, the show also garnered a huge adult audience where about like one fifth of the weekday and Saturday morning audience viewers were over the age of 25 uh, and also led to a large like internet based fandom of the show. So there was like a good like 20%, like more than 20% uh, of the fan base that was in that adult category over the age of 25. Damn. It was very, very successful, received very well. Yeah. I could not find any critics reviews because the show is particularly older. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and like things like Metacritic weren't around yet. Yeah. Uh, but the show aired for two seasons on Fox slash Fox Kids uh, and then for three seasons on WB slash Kids WB for a total of five seasons and exactly 99 episodes. And it aired its final episode on November 14th, 1998. The movie you're referencing, the Christmas special called Wacko's Wish, uh, was mm-hmm. released direct to video on December 21st, 1999. Mm. Um, uh, and the show itself sparked a ton of spinoffs from like just because of its wide cast, but in that those include like Freakazoid and Pinky and the Brain. Uh, it sparked the creation of nine video games for multiple publishers, three musical collections, all under the Rhino Entertainment record label, uh, and then a book on tape album, which I don't know what that means. But I, I, I didn't look it up because I want, I want my headcanon to be true that it's just Yakko, Wacko, and Dot reading a book that's just like a normal book. <laughs> like nah, just a bunch, honestly, like them great. reading normal books. Like, I don't uh, want to like look it up now either. And I don't want and that like just the hatchet, to be it. You know, like yeah. just children's <laughs> like middle school books. <laughs> this is a children's book. What kind of fucking hatchet are you reading that's a children's book? A hatchet? I read that in eighth grade. I'd call that like a yeah, but a children's you origi- book, no, but. the joke was it, yeah. You originally said children's book. Yeah, I'm like right. the hatchet wasn't a children's book. Uh, and then uh, I mentioned it earlier, but the show was ordered for revival in May 2017 by Hulu. Uh, it was or it was its initial order was a two season order um, because uh, there was a bunch of popularity when the show made, was made available for a short period of time on Netflix in 2016. Uh, that mm-hmm. revived series premiered its first season on November twentieth, twenty twenty. Uh, its second season the following year in November fifth. On November fifth, November fifth. I can't speak anymore. And then its third and final <laughs> season released earlier this year on February seventeenth, twenty twenty three. And that's it. Wow. That's the Animaniacs in a nutshell. It always blows my mind how short like those kinds of things are when. Like it just had such a, an influence on me. I feel like as a kid, but it was like only. Five seasons. I probably only saw it for those. You even with the five seasons, I probably only saw it for those two seasons. True. Like in reality, so. But like, I, but like you said, like, like you no. watch Wacko's Wish every year. Yeah. For Christmas, you know, it's like it, like it becomes a part of you. It's like even though you're rewatching the same episodes, like it's like just as impactful as just as sort of important. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. um, what was that? I read a I read a, a like a news article that said that um. Uh, scientists wanted to study like the song Lowrider because so many people had experienced oh, that of jo- George, Lopez? George Lopez thing where they wake up in the middle of the night and George Lopez is playing on Nick Literally. at Night. Literally. It only aired on Nick at Night to. for two seasons. For two years. No fucking way. Not two seasons, it didn't but two re- years. Did it, did it have reruns? Those were all reruns. But that was the only time it did that? It was only for like two years. What? That's what That's I read. crazy. Like I and remember like falling asleep. I feel that, like that was like universal. Yeah. Like memory, right? Like like everybody has that experience where it's like, like okay, why does why if it if it was such a short period of time, why do why does everybody from like the age from like people who are age ten to people who are age twenty in that time period have that, and mm. maybe and even younger, obviously. But like so many people share that experience of waking up to George Lopez on like in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. When it was only on Nick at Night for like two years. Hundo P, baby. So yeah, I remember that so vividly. So it is like yeah, it's like sometimes it's like it's not about the length of time, but the impact it had on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that was it. That was all I had. I, I I'm full and ready to do superlatives if you want we can also keep chatting about oh i mean i'm stuff i'm good with superlatives i'm great with superlatives uh my favorite character is and always will be wacko i love him fair enough i i like yakko yakko that's fair they're mm-hmm. all great i mean my favorite character yeah, like would I just be all of them if i could yeah same because they all have their moments uh, my least favorite character, due to just pure lack of 
a lot of characters was Dr. Scratch and Sniff. Yeah, I just didn't choose one because I feel like you need Dr. Scratch and Sniff. And he doesn't have a funny bone. He doesn't understand humor. He just doesn't. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious that this was like the pilot. The pilot was like this poor fucking therapist that like. <laughs> well, it is funny because it's like they introduce them in the pilot as characters from the 1930s, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like these menaces have been locked away for at this point 60 years yeah and like now they're all of a sudden free and roaming and so it's like like this idea that nobody knows how to deal with them because from their time like they're they're like like uh products of their time from the 60s where everything was taken more literally Mm -hmm. or from the 30s where everything was taken more literally yeah, 100%. Especially when you think about the fact that technically they're like from the Great Depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to have some kind of humor and it's everything like, had to be. Well, it's so funny because it's like, I don't know if to them it's humor. <laughs> right? It's like to them, it's like he's telling them mm, and like, you just have Fair to take enough. everything seriously because it's all sad. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, That's probably not the All case, of it but- sucks. Uh, it is no, sort of but fun, I know. Uh, like yeah. an interesting thing. It's to cool think that about. they introduce them, yeah, as such. It's it's cool. But yeah, it's just like the idea that like the CEO of Warner Brothers is like, you gotta figure this out. I'm putting you on the case because you're a doctor. And it's like that, that's not <laughs> how this works. That's not. I feel like this is weird. This, this yeah. isn't how this works. This isn't how this works, man. Man. Uh, um, favorite part? My favorite part is from the uh, Night Night Tune uh, sketch where the pigeon uh, is like, who are you calling sticky? Huh? You saying I'm <laughs> sticky? <laughs> I just like all the pigeons shit, the but pigeons I picked, I have two different parts that I picked. I picked the bird just playing the flute in the beginning because like the concept of like a bird not singing on its own. You know what I mean? Like it's like the concept that yeah, instead he's playing a flute and I don't know. That's an instrument that was made to sound like a bird probably. It literally. (laughs) So it's just like one of those things I was like, that's just funny. And I just love the fucking pigeons. But then I also picked the part when I think it's in the first section when he's first therapizing them and he decides to separate them all. And when it's Yakko's turn and he's like, okay, now say like one word association for this. And then he just says, start, he goes immediately. He goes, no, we haven't started yet. Began. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just love, yes, I don't know. I, I just love, love that, that part. All like all hilarious. those, well, all those bits are funny, but like for some reason that Yakko one was just so, so much funnier to me. Um, I had a hard time picking a least favorite part. I wrote down the I monkey song. One. It wasn't my favorite, but even I me. mean, it was good. I yeah. I I guess to me, like I found most of it funny in general, and like to me, I couldn't pick a. Sp- nothing stood out as like a. Ugh, I wish that wasn't in there. Right, and like pick one. I'm not saying I didn't like the monkey song. I'm just saying that from a least favorite part perspective, that didn't do it as yeah. much for me, and I still loved it. That's just how good the show is, which is why I gave it Look six out of seven good noodle stars. Oh my god, I did as well. I had the same I got the same amount of enjoyment out of this that I did from uh friggin' friggin' Bugs Bunny. Oh my god, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Jesus, it's a fucking show I did. <laughs> god. Um All right, guys, thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate every one of you for taking the time to do so. If you don't currently, be sure to follow us on your podcasting platform of choice as well as on Instagram at Back to the Pilot so you know when new episodes get released. And while you're here, leave a review and let us know how we're doing. In our next episode, we're discussing a couple popular anthology series with American Horror Story and Miracle Workers. We hope you had a fantastic time listening, and we'll see you next time when we take you back to the pilot. So long, everyone. I'm very excited about next week's or next episode not next week's surprisingly i've never watched miracle workers yeah we've had this discussion but i'm excited i'm excited excited because it's also spooky season yeah